0: It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Welcome to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, Making Your World Better. You know, the reason I started this podcast in the first place was because I felt like there was not a lot of resources out there, at least in podcast land, uh, that provided really practical uh, principles and ideas from Executive directors or CEOs of nonprofits, like people in the trenches doing the work leading nonprofit organizations. You know, I myself, I'm an executive director of a nonprofit, and so I'm in this every day, and I want help from other people that are doing it well and to learn best practices around the country and around the world for that matter. So my hope is that as you listen to this, these really are podcasts that are providing you the information you want and the principles you need to apply to your organization. In fact, it's been kind of fun to hear from people who uh, they listen to this on their morning commute, uh, or maybe you're working out right now and you're listening to this podcast, or perhaps you're sending this podcast to other people in your nonprofit organization. However you end up uh, getting this information to yourself, to your team, to uh, your donors, My, I'm so glad to hear from many of you how important this podcast has become. So in the future, in fact, I want to uh, provide some more resources because I think uh, it's my goal to be able to strengthen the nonprofit sector and give tools to leaders so they can really grow their organizations. Yes, so you can look at our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. In the future, we'll be providing even more resources and tools for you so that you can better lead your organizations. Our guest is Brian Lauterbach. He's the Vice President of Programs for Network for Good. They offer innovative and easy to use fundraising software and coaching for nonprofits. In addition, Network for Good's nonprofit donor advice fund uses the internet and mobile technology to securely and efficiently distribute thousands of donations from donors to their favorite charities each year. One of the things that Brian talks about uh, regarding fundraising is this quote that I really liked. He said this, "Donors don't give to a nonprofit, they give through a nonprofit." In order to give to a cause or program they care about. And I really think he's right. So I know a lot of us, I'm an executive director of a nonprofit. A lot of you maybe are development directors, you're a donor, you're a board member, and you're very concerned about your nonprofit getting enough funding to keep moving forward, which is a great thing. However, sometimes we lose what is the real cause? What are the people? Who are the people that you're serving, that you're making a difference in? that's what your donor wants to get excited about, and that's what your donor wants to support. So this idea of giving to a nonprofit versus giving through a nonprofit to a cause, to a person, to a program, that's where the gold is. And so you're going to really enjoy today's talk and and how Brian comes at it from years and years of experience. So thanks for tuning in today. Enjoy today's show. So we have Brian Lauterbach here calling in from Chicago. He is the vice president of programs for Network for Good. Brian, thanks for being on the show today. And I'm going to ask the first question here, fundraising and donor relationships. These two topics are not only inextricably linked, they're absolutely critical for the success of any nonprofit. So when it comes to trends in fundraising, in your opinion, is fundraising fundamentally changing today?
1: No. Um, I think the tactics and the channels that we use to engage our audiences, let alone our donors, certainly uh, changes on a weekly, monthly, an annual basis with the proliferation of new technology. But um, you know, a app or a new email delivery system or a text platform is no more important to fundraising than a stamp, a blank piece of paper, and an envelope. And so I think, you know, there is a a tendency in our sector for people to think technology raises the money. Technology only allows us to deliver messages faster and at scale. And so my experience is that the fundamentals of fundraising have and probably will never change, but how we engage audiences and what channels always will uh, be evolving, and it's really a story of and-and instead of either or nowadays.
0: We've had some people on this show that talk about this, um, that today's donors want to be more collaborative and involved in what they've called co-creation of the implementation of a nonprofit's mission. How is this different from donors of a previous generation, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think, so uh, I think to use two uh, to the two furthest fence posts, we take millennials and then matures, the greatest generations, like people 70 years old or 75 and older. And so um, I think uh Maybe inadvertently and by necessity, generally nonprofits have applied the tactics and channels that work for the greatest generation, the, the matures, to all their donors, and that is, you know, direct mail, and maybe they'll do something uh, online if we really hope. And uh, uh, but what we see is uh, then on the other extreme is uh, the millennials. Those are the ones that I agree with your previous guests and uh, who have posited, you know, some ideas and thoughts and data on the show here. Um, uh, my experience has been uh, that type of donor is looking for more, shall I say, uh, you know, autonomy or or directive uh, ability uh, to shape the direction of the organization in exchange uh, for their philanthropic investment. But generally speaking, my experience and what I see uh, at Network for Good, working with 125,000 organizations each year, what we see is really a trend towards uh, um, how to approach the donor. What is the paradigm of today's donor? And that is that nonprofits need to recognize donors don't give to your organization, they give through it. And not to sound overly clever, but what I'm getting at here is organizations that create this environment of accountability. They approach the relationship with the donor as if that individual or household has outsourced their desire for public good to that particular nonprofit because they have the infrastructure and experience to feed the hungry, to spay, stray cats. Or whatever the mission may be, um, uh, nonprofits that create a communication and giving environment that suggests accountability, and you know uh, that is the big fundamental change that I see.
0: That's a very interesting point, and there is a growing trend among for-profit organizations. Um, so to kind of contrast nonprofits from for-profits and how they interact. Um, there is this growing trend to invest time and money into what's called social impact opportunities. Some companies are even hiring a social impact staff person. In fact, we had one as one of our guests uh, last week. How is this trend in for-profits getting involved with the, quote, business of social impact affecting nonprofits? Do you have any data points or discoveries you found when it comes to this? Sure. What I
1: find is, well, first of all, I would caution uh, all of us to be sure we don't conflate Social impact as a paradigm or aspiration or model with a uh, organizational structure, be it for profit, nonprofit, or LC3 or whatever the case may be. The important thing is what we need to see with the proliferation of social impact officers, both on the corporate side and even on the nonprofit side, with some uh, not only emerging organizations but well established large organizations. My point here is that um, uh, I caution the sector against letting the construct of social impact uh, be the lens through which we view what we do and do not need to do, and to bring that you know to make that more concrete is I think nonprofits have always been engaged in social impact. I think, and this is not to marginalize the commitment and aspirations of their for-profit corporate uh, brothers, so to speak, but I also think that the social impact construct is growing quickly because the emergent generation, you know, uh, certainly millennials and even Y and Z, they make decisions decisions uh, based upon, uh, you know, they have brand loyalty that's based upon uh, socially conscious uh, businesses and behavior. And so it's incumbent upon corporations to make sure that they are aligning their mission for their shareholder and their product. Uh, with, you know, outcomes that uh, make an impact in the community. And we see, uh, you know, a relative and figurative explosion of what I call uh, 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 collective impact models, where you finally have corporations, uh, local businesses, grant makers, and government entities working together and pooling resources to address uh, problems uh, social problems in their communities, states, and regions. So, I think the social impact has sort of, uh, in all the good ways, grade the lines between for profits only worry about shareholder profitability, nonprofits only care about you know, make uh, saving a few lives at a time. So what I see is a dramatic expansion of the, of the aperture through which grant makers, corporations, communities, and governments now tackle some of the problems or opportunities in their communities.
0: Well, I love your focus on collaboration and having for profit and nonprofits work together to meet whatever society's needs there are in front of them in their particular community. Um, let's take it one more step further. In your opinion, then, do you think, um, related to kind of the first question I asked you, should traditional nonprofits change their funding strategy and evolve a bit in how they approach donor engagement based on this uh, new emphasis on social impact from a for profit point of view?
1: The short answer is yes. Um, what okay. non-profits So, but it's really twofold. First, the idea that an organization, a nonprofit, is tax exempt does not mean it can be technology exempt. And what I mean by that is, just because you're a charity does not mean you could ignore or try to work around the consumer behavior that companies like Apple, Google, Netflix, uh, and, and the like, and Amazon have now conditioned consumers to expect. And that condition it really manifests itself in personalization and customization. Nonprofits are no longer the ultimate arbiter in public good and what creates impact in a community. As we see these, what I, again, believe are positive blurring of the lines between uh, governments, corporations, grant makers, and nonprofits alike, it is this idea that we need to focus on the outcomes as opposed to outputs.
0: I really like that distinction and you know, donor experience, you do a lot of that with your work there at net for, for good. You focus on donors and then donor experience as a whole. Why is a donor experience so important? and why should nonprofits leader be so focused on this issue?
1: Well um I think you know there are all the obvious reasons right uh, uh donor retention you know there's a du- direct relationship between engagement and retention and uh you know I think that that particular issue has been well explored and well documented and not that I find it to be well well I, I still think it does apply and it is the thing through which we need to hold up the light and make sure we're always embracing and also operationalizing, but as it relates to why the engagement or why the experience is so important it's because, as I said, nonprofits are no with the advent of governments and corporations and really any type of entity that is now focusing on making a public and programmatic impact in their community, nonprofits can no longer presume that they have the the, the altruistic monopoly on on doing public good. And so what that means in terms of a nonprofit's new uh, outlook and what they need to embrace is that they need to figure out how they can, within their budget constraints, within their time and staffing constraints, um, begin to replicate, if not mirror, the experiences that consumers have uh, come to expect from large companies who do it very well. And so, um, and, and an example of that is, you know, imagine, um, the, um, how incensed you or I would be if we bought a car, paid cash for it, left the lot that day and never heard back from that salesperson or that dealership or that manufacturer. They're like, oh, well, what do I do? I have, I have questions. What am I, you know, and, and so, uh, part of this, Is making sure that when you design an experience for a customer, let alone in our construct here, a donor, you need to be mindful of what you want them to do longer term. Do I want them to give again? Do I want them to give more? Do I want them to volunteer? Do I want them to attend to an event? So it really goes back to almost your first question about what has changed, and I said largely Fundraising has not changed, and here's an example of that. It's all about moves management. So when you get a new donor, what are the things you need to do for him, her, they, or that household to get them to take another action, and what is the desired action? So nonprofits really need to be more planful and intentional about the experience because getting the gift and cashing the check or depositing the check is the beginning of the relationship, not the not not just the first milestone. Now what the organization has to do if you accept the premise that I posited earlier that donors don't give to an organization, they give through it, what the nonprofit has to do then is remind that donor about the impact that, uh, she, he, they, and all donors are having uh, 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 on the particular mission or program or problem or, or solution that the nonprofit is providing.
0: We'll talk a little bit more about that. This is good. Uh, donor management is so important. In your opinion, beyond what you've already kind of mentioned, uh, how can nonprofits best recruit and retain donors?
1: Yeah. So it's um, the, 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 there's really, I think, two different uh, steps here. The first thing is, uh, as a practitioner, you need to make sure that you aren't projecting your metrics and what's important to you onto your donors and, and the communications that you create and produce for them. An example of that is, you know, let's use the appeal process. Well, um, what do we know about why people give? Well, it's not because a fiscal year is ending. It's not because you have an anticipated budget shortfall. It's not because you need to raise X amount of dollars by this date or the end of your fiscal year and of calendar year. All those things are really inconsequential to uh, today's donor. And so, um, What nonprofits need to do is suspend, as I said, suspend their construct and their metrics of why they need money and think about it in terms of why a donor would be hiring that nonprofit to do a job or investing in the expansion of a program to serve more people. So, I think you know it really comes down to um, what what can you do as a non profit uh, professional as a practitioner to uh, communicate the impact, let alone gratitude, that you have as a result of that gift. And that need, and that goes back to that air of accountability uh, that you want to establish on behalf of the uh, or for the donor and make sure that they should never question how you use the money and to what end uh, that money was used. And I'm not talking about like some radical level of transparency where you're sharing P&Ls and, you know, receipts for program expenses. What I'm talking about is reassure the donor that, one, you are an effective steward of their investment. Two, that investment is making some type of impact. And three, with more resources over time, you can expand your footprint and expand the programmatic impact that your organization is making.
0: There's been a lot of debate and chatter about the recent tax reform bill recently passed. And in your position there, Brian, at Network for Good, I know you deal with this a lot. In your opinion, how will the most recent tax reform bill impact nonprofits directly?
1: So it definitely will impact them. Uh, However, it's not quite to the extent that many people fear or think or are concerned about. So there are some marginal increases uh, of expense. That, uh, that nonprofits now have to in as related to the, of the legis- tax legislation. We'll get to that in a second. But the, the number one thing that has many nonprofits, you know, with their toes curled and tapping their fingers, you know, in board meetings, it's about, you know, the charitable deduction. And um, while I can't speak directly to, you know, does the new tax plan uh, uh, inhibit or ameliorate, you know, million-dollar, you know, seven-digit gifts, sure, there are some tax implications there. But what we need to remember as a sector is that um, the vast majority of donors, you know, what I would say people that give a $1,000 of cash or less, to a non, any one nonprofit each year, they generally are not thinking about tax deductibility uh as it relates to dr- driving their philanthropic decision. And in fact, Organi- uh, donors that give under a thousand dollars cash uh, it's been reported that less than a tenth of one percent of them report uh, tax deductibility as the motivation for making that gift instead um, for the vast majority of the volume of those donors that are given under a thousand which is about 80 eighty two percent of the gifts that are made in the United States what we see is that uh, uh, they, they are making a gut assessment of their disposable income at the time they were, they were solicited or the time they felt motivated or inspired or, or compelled to give. And so that is what's, that's what that will continue to drive giving. The other part though, where there is direct cost implications um, is with the providing of fringe benefits to employees such as exercise facilities, you know gym memberships, transportation allowances, parking. Um, all of that stuff used to be tax deductible. It isn't anymore. So what that means, then, is we have to think about, well, what do we need to do to make sure employees uh are incentivized or don't feel penalized, really, for working here? Larger organizations that are more cash flow positive are increasing salaries to offset the charges that they are now extending to employees for parking and gym membership. However, However, the problem is that about 78% of the sector uh, aren't these large cash flow positive organizations. And now um, staff uh, who are, you know, arguably uh, paid beneath market and let's just say aren't retiring soon now have to bear the brunt to these, in the, to these incremental costs uh, directly.
0: Well, if you were a CEO of a nonprofit, a local nonprofit, and you knew more about this tax reform bill and all the things you just mentioned, how it's going to impact their nonprofit, how would you communicate to your donors as the CEO of here's what's going on? Like how proactive should CEOs be towards communicating to their donors about all these changes?
1: I uh, encourage, in fact, employees for every nonprofit practitioner to be more transparent, right, uh, uh, about uh, what their needs are or what the changes are, because um, in a way, donors and prospects alike appreciate the information. It also demonstrates that you are being proactive uh, about creating solutions or being accountable to your community of donors and constituents. So I, you know, uh, uh I always err on the side of I wouldn't say over communication like an email or a text message every 48 hours. I'm just saying like, you know, you, you know, if you think it, it it if you as a nonprofit organization or communications professional in your organization, you know, uh are tasked with communicating relevant information to donors in a concise and consistent and timely way, then you should talk about things like this. If no, if for no other reason, it demonstrates that you are managing your organization and you are aware of the issues, and that uh, lets the recipient reader infer that, wow, these guys know what they're talking about. They're on top of it. They're finding solutions as opposed to throwing up their arms and expressing frustration. But the last thing you should do, I would argue, is... Say we now have to live with this tax reform bill. Here are our new costs. We hope you can uh, you can fill the gap or or you know finance that uh, that delta. So um, that may be ca- that, that may be true. You may need your donors to do that, but don't say that. You know, try to position this as like we're managing this organization effectively. And uh, sure, this this may not help us, but here's what we're doing about it.
0: Well, one of the things we haven't really talked too much about is Network for Good, the the nonprofit that you work for. Uh, talk a little bit more about your position there, what Network for Good does, and what are you doing to help nonprofits navigate this new landscape?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I- I'll cut to it uh, instead of making this information or infomercial for Network for Good. But, you know, all cliches aside, we are at sort of a uh, – a a mile, or a, a juncture in our organization where we are dramatically changing uh, what we are doing and offering to nonprofits out there. We started as a company 12 years ago or an organization 12 years ago that was trying to make sure nonprofits that uh, wanted to raise money online had a simple tool and training to be able to do that. Well, uh, in large part, we can say mission accomplished accomplished with almost you know 3 billion dollars being given through uh online giving through our platforms and uh helping more than 125,000 organizations process uh, uh, or uh, or uh, process gifts that that was just the beginning now what we've done is taken all of the data from that, you know, all the dates and dollars, and with renewed determination, have really created a new suite, uh, a hybrid suite of services and and software solutions that allow uh, nonprofit organizations not just to uh, solicit donors and get money online and have a donor database. You know, that sort of of 1.0, that's very 2005 in terms of what nonprofits need. What we're focused on doing now is how do we help organizations drive donor engagement? And so our tools are, are some of the first ever in the nonprofit space here, or in our sector rather, to, uh, to automate some of the fun, the SOP fundraising operations of, of donor engagement, acknowledgement letters, and even cultivation. And so what we're trying to do is create a technological cockpit, for lack of a better term, that allows a you know a small organization staffed by a chief everything officer up to a large organization that maybe has the first development director uh, to make sure that he or she not only has the tools but has the plan, the roadmap, the calendar, and then the coaching support. So what we're doing is fusing coaching from a network of 30,000 fundraising consultants in the United States and matching them with organizations based upon mission type, staffing structure, budget, and creative fundraising need to be able to create a hybrid partnership that uses software and technical expertise in fundraising to ensure that nonprofit organizations have the right size, stage appropriate capacity to move fundraising from what is probably more episodic and and ad hoc to something that is uh, a central leadership priority for the organization.
0: So if a nonprofit is listening to this podcast and they want to be a part of this, like, do you just sign up for Network for Good and all of a sudden you're listed or do you go through an application process? How would a nonprofit get on uh, to the list of a Network for Good um, you know, directory, if you will?
1: Sure. So um, you could go to, obviously, networkforgood.com and begin your journey there. But the first thing you want to do is sign up to get more information, right? What that will what allow uh, us to do is get some baseline information from you as a nonprofit, and then someone from our team will reach out to you and really want to have a conversation about what's keeping you up at night. What is it that you need to do relative to fundraising that you aren't getting done? And with those informational inputs, then what we can do is create a plan and create the, and figure out what, you know, for lack of a better term, equipment and help that you need to accomplish those things.
0: Well, my guest today has been Brian Lauterbach. He's the vice president of programs for Network for Good. They offer innovative, easy to use fundraising software and coaching for nonprofits. Brian, if they want to find out more about your organization, more about you, where would you send them?
1: Sure. Um, uh, easiest place, networkforgood.com. Um, there you can connect to people, uh, the products, the services, the offering, and really the thought leadership and some of the templates and tools that we provide at no cost to the sector just to help them because that's part of our mission is, is still making sure all uh, nonprofit boats rise, so to speak.
0: Excellent. Well, good. Well, Brian, thank you again for sharing your insights. A lot of interesting information. I think my listeners really enjoy checking out your website and all that Network for Good provides. And again, thanks for taking time to be on the show today. Hey,
1: no problem. Thanks a lot, Rob. Have a great afternoon.
0: making your world better.